Welcome to the debut edition, 2023 edition anyway, of the Pick 6. I am Brendan Dworzynski. He is Jacob Westendorf. And we are so excited to be bringing you Game on Wisconsin, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening or watching to the Pick 6. We are excited to come to you every single Tuesday, 7 o'clock Lambo time, live streaming video podcast version after the show as well. Talking Packer football, it's camp right now, obviously. All things training camp, family night, so much to get to coming up over the course of the next hour. Jacob, been a long time, missed the podcast game, missed Packers football more than anything. It's good to be back, and I can't wait for what should be an upcoming season. And I was just joking with you before we we went live and turned on the mics here. Um, We're going to have a battle for about 60 minutes every single Tuesday night. Who can say more self-deprecating things, uh, more ways they can put themselves down? So I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, keep a tally here all year long. Yeah, and I'm competitive. So, and self depreciating humor is uh, certainly one of my favorite things to do. But yeah, I am excited. Uh, I am a spoiled New York Yankees fan, and I understand that. So, I sit here and say that this team sucks as they are over 500 and still, in theory, have a chance to make the playoffs. While I'm friends with Kansas City Royals fans who have sucked for a decade almost. Uh, so, I understand that. But the uh, baseball season has been depressing. Usually, that carries me over pretty good into uh into football season but not the case this year i have uh the only reason i had not given up yet is because i was in the bronx uh this weekend to watch them play the astros so that was fun i got to watch justin verlander pitch which i had never done before so that was kind of cool but otherwise uh yeah this team stinks and uh, i am ready for a football season that i will tell you is to me much more interesting this year than it was Last year, and that always sounds like a dig against Aaron Rodgers, which I hate to do because he's a four-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer, all that stuff. But I think you agree with this, Brendan. Last year felt like a, we know the ceiling. This team will win 10 or 11 games at its best and lose in the first or second round of the playoffs. They're not going to the Super Bowl without Devontae Adams. I think the only thing that got me fired up early in the season last year was arguing with people that told me that the offense could be better without Devonte Adams. Cause that was one of the worst arguments that I had heard. Uh, but I I'm excited for 2023. Uh, I wrote a story today called the Packers want to know what love is. And I think the rest of us feel that way too. I want to know what Jordan love is. And that could mean really bad. That could mean they're not very good at all, but I, at least I don't feel like I know the end of the movie anymore. And and that's a really good feeling. So I'm ready to, to get started. And it's football season, man. Is there anything better? No, there's absolutely nothing better. We've got so much to get to again. Every single Tuesday, 7 o'clock Lambo time, PM, we will be bringing you the pick six. Now, the, the gist of the show, the conceit, it's extremely convoluted. So it's going to take me a while to explain it. Like the title, we are going to pick six topics and talk about them over the course of the hour. I know, extremely complicated, extremely difficult, but we've got so much to get to. Obviously, with camp, it's a lot of projection, a lot of prognostication, a lot of breaking down dudes in their underwear, throwing footballs and running into pads. But once we get to the season, game breakdowns, previews, all of that, all the good stuff you've come to know and love from Game On Wisconsin, we're going to have right here on the Pick 6. We've got a ton from camp, from the depth chart, so much to get to here in a, in a moment. But I did, Jacob, and I know you did too, wanted to introduce ourselves in a nice light way. You know, it's almost school time. Some kids across the country are going to school already, which is insane, but that's neither here nor there. A little bit of an icebreaker. Everybody remembers college or the start of your job. Whenever, do a little icebreaker, kind of get to know one another. So we've got one lined up. 
know Jacob writes over at Sports Illustrated, the Fan Nation Packers vertical, along with Bill Huber, doing an incredible job over there. Hails from the home of the greatest American rock band, Cheap Trick. That's Rockford, Illinois. And the head honcho, the original head honcho, honcho emeritus of Game On Wisconsin. Uh, yours truly, I'm far less handsome and less interesting. Uh, do sports talk on 580 AM, WIBW AM in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, so while I've been a Packers fan my whole life, I talk about the Chiefs for a living, which, uh, to be frank, last season was a whole lot more fun than talking about the Packers. Um, but yeah, Packers fan my whole life, blog all over the place for many blogs that have died. Uh, also cover the Kansas Jayhawks, among other teams, uh, for various outlets online, including Sports Illustrated. So uh, when you see the mini helmets behind me, including some football teams, D1 and D2 from Kansas, that's uh, that's what you're looking at. But Jacob, you came up with a great idea. I want everyone to know, if you're listening to the first ever edition of the Pick 6, I want everyone to know this was Jacob Westendorf's great idea for an icebreaker. It is extremely topical, especially now that Jacob has a daughter who can choose her own music. Jacob, give me your favorite Taylor Swift track. Yeah, so my daughter is a Swifty. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but it did, and, and good for her. So um, I heard this as an inspiration listening to somebody else. So my gosh, there are so many because it's crazy to think like she became popular when we were in high school. Like I think that is when her uh, initial album came out was like my freshman or sophomore year in high school, uh, and then obviously she's she's made a lot of tracks from there. Um, but my personal favorite, uh, and maybe this is a byproduct of, of watching Blake enjoy the song as much as she does. She likes Sparks Fly, which uh, is from the Fearless album. And I think that the the watching of her enjoying that and everything like that obviously plays a lot into it. It's still when she's a little, little more country than she is pop, which I prefer country to pop. If I'm picking uh, genres of music, I don't particularly love the new styles of country music, but pop music and the dance theme type stuff, just not my cup of tea. Uh, but that is, that is my favorite. Some of the new stuff like Blake really likes, are you ready for it? She likes, look what you made me do. Uh, not a fan of the song mine, which I thought was interesting just based on the way that it sounds. I thought she would like that, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with sparks fly. That's my favorite, but since she is the most powerful woman in the world, this might be two different questions each week. It might be the same one for both of us, but I want to know yours. What is your take on your favorite T-Swift track? So I've never been a huge fan. My wife is not a huge fan, so we don't listen to a ton in the Dworzynski household. Um, 1989 is a banger of an album, though. That is a genuinely great pop album. Um, there's a couple from that one. Um, Wildest Dreams, Style, Bangers. I'm going to go with Mean, though, um, mostly because I have felt wronged by many people in my life, so I might as well get to express that through country's favorite former daughter, Taylor Swift. Uh, that song's great. They also mentioned football, and I'm a complete meathead with, like, four brain cells. So you mentioned football, and I'm going to uh, jive with it. Although Lover from, like, eight albums ago now. She puts out albums every three weeks, I swear to God. Um, Lover, great love song. Beautiful well-crafted show shout out to Taylor for that. Uh, and I already see our YouTube numbers going down. So we will get to the football here momentarily, but uh, we wanted to bring you a little bit of a glimpse into who Jacob and I are. We call it, well, I call it an extra point. I didn't run that by Jacob. That was not part of our pre-show fist fight, but I called it that even though it came before the six, we'll get the logic to work out at some point. And if we don't, well, you can blame me and let Jacob get off scot-free for that one. All right. Should we get to the actual football? Yeah, let's do football. All right, let's do it. Number one topic for today, number one of the pick six, 
The depth chart is out, Jacob. The extremely official, extremely important, indicates exactly what we'll be seeing throughout the course of the season. Depth chart came out today. Let's start with the easy stuff. Anything at all stand out to you other than the fact that Adam Schefter admitted today on Twitter he's never seen an or on a depth chart before, which indicates to me, like most NFL insiders, they don't really know anything about football. And otherwise, anything really stand out to you about this Packers first depth chart? Yeah, and he's never watched one second of college football. Like, I'm convinced that that is how every college football depth chart, or like maybe that's just because I pay attention to Jim Harbaugh's, who's got like three oars. You might have two or three guys that they've had like five starting quarterbacks at Michigan each of the last three years. But nonetheless, when it comes to the depth chart, I think the biggest thing to look at first is the offensive line is Josh Myers is listed as a starting center. Zach Tom's listed as the starting right tackle. I think that that's probably the way that the Packers would prefer for things to play out. Uh, you've heard the way that they've talked about uh, the, the way that Myers has played. They want him to kind of take hold of that job. And I think, you know, in a perfect world, the Packers could see their long-term tackle tandem with two of the three guys that they have right now, whether they keep Bakhtiari in an extension. I do think that's possible and potentially a wise thing for them to do if he's able to stay healthy this season or Yosh Nyman, along with Zach Tom playing right tackle uh, or, let, you know, just some combination of, of those three players moving that way. And it, it's hard to do that when Josh Myers is, or when Zach Tom is playing center and Josh Myers is on the bench. The other reality is, yeah, I have. Thank you. Uh, the other reality is it's Zach Tom is probably your backup tackle. So if you have him playing center and God forbid Bakhtiari or Nyman can't play, then you're kind of starting to do that musical chairs thing, which I just, the Packers have spit in the face for what, four years, however long since Lafleur has been here at continuity on the offensive line, just absolutely everything that flies in the face on that. They haven't done it. They're willing to move guys all over the place. They're willing to switch one guy from the right side to the left side on a moment's notice, just all kinds of stuff like that. But that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me. In addition to, uh, for now, I guess Samari Toure is listed as a starter over Jaden Reed. I don't think that's based in reality on what's happened on the field based on what my own two eyes have seen. Plus everybody who's been there and Reed seems to make maybe not a play a day, but a play every other day. Like I think that he is in the conversation for a potential most impactful rookie uh, for 2023. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that works, but those are the the two things. And yeah, as it says, very official, um, you know, subject to change as we get here. We've still got a month before 33 days, according to the Packers social team until they take on the Chicago bears. Yeah. I saw the Aaron Jones graphic. Anytime you put Aaron Jones in my face, I'm going to get excited about it. Yeah. The Ture thing stood out to me too, but I'm, I'm with you. That feels more like this is the first depth chart and he's the guy who has been here now. Granted, he hasn't been here all that long because he was just a rookie last season, but that just sort of feels like this is how we're going to handle it with rookies. I'm not really surprised by that one bit. I'm sure Jaden Reed is going to get onto that first line sooner rather than later. The offensive line, I think, is probably among the most fascinating groups that we're going to be monitoring all year long because you do have the questions about what is box future going to look like, and I'm not one who likes to talk about, yeah, well, after this season, if you look at the cap number, I, I'm not that kind of guy, but you do have to take note of the health. And is he going to be out mm -hmm. there every single day practicing once the season comes around? Probably not in all likelihood. What is his availability on game days? Is it going to be like last year? What kind of does come down minute by minute? So to see what appears for now to be decent depth is encouraging to me. You know, the group that's out there right now, left to right, it's Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, 
Runyon and Tom, that's a fine group. I think there is a very realistic, if not, I wouldn't say likely, but I think a very realistic chance that we don't end up with Josh Myers at center this year. And to a degree, I'm fine with that because I want the best lineman out there. Like, I don't care about the draft pedigree. I don't care about, oh, well, he did this. Well, he does this. Look, if you're the best player, I want you out there. I'm not going to get attached to guys because the thing I care about the most is winning. So get the winners out there. So if it ends up being Zach Tom, if it ends up being Josh Myers, whoever ends up getting that job, I don't really care at this point. I just want the best player out there. I hope it's Josh Myers for his own sake. I, I hope he does a great job. He has the best year of his career and he ends up getting it. I just am not entirely sure because as a number of the members of the beat core have pointed out among others, and Jacob, you might've been one of the guys who tweeted about this the other day or zeded about it. I think it's called now it's about consistency. It is about, can yeah. you have those good moments, which we've seen, we have seen Myers be consistent. We have seen Myers get downfield. We have seen him in a phone booth, make these plays, make moments that make you think, oh, this is why the Packers took him over Creed Humphrey, who was drafted moments later that same year and is already the best center in football. This is why they wanted Myers. We have also seen moments that make you say, get this dude off the field. So getting more consistent. If the competition gets him there, great. If that scares him off and Tom ends up taking the job, fine by me, just get the best player out there. The one thing defensively, Jacob, that kind of stood out to me though, and maybe I don't think I'm reading too much into this, but I do think it is at least worth noting. Any thoughts at all about Kingsley and Igbari checking in on the third string instead of the second? Like, I have no problem with Lucas Van Ness, number two, by all accounts, and you've been there at training camp. It sounds like Van Ness has looked really good. He has looked the part right away, which is awesome. That is extremely encouraging. And Justin Hollins, I thought, had moments last year where you thought, okay, I get it, but I thought Enigbari played pretty well last year. I don't know what he came in to camp like in terms of, you know, his physical shape, his conditioning. I don't know. There's numerous reasons why he might be down. I was just a little surprised to see him behind Hollins, though. Yeah, Hollins was – so I've been to two practices, and then obviously I keep up with with pretty much anything Bill says and, and tells me on everything like that. But um, the practice I was at, Hollins was ahead of Enigbari, and I think it's Enigbari, I've been told, is the way that that's pronounced. So we've okay. all been pronouncing his name wrong for – for over a year. So with all due apologies, one of my favorite stories is uh, Bob Shepard asked, and I can't remember who it was one time, like, what's your, how do you want me to say your name? And he says, however you want. And he says, no, it's your name. That's so I, it's not whatever I want. It's your name. But nonetheless, uh, with Justin Hollins, he was with the, with the ones um, with Rashawn Gary, obviously working back from an injury at that particular time. I think that the thing with Hollins and Anagre that's a little bit different is just, You've seen it a couple times, and there are games last year where it happened. I think the Eagles ran a reverse against them where an Agbray got sucked inside and they run around. That happened in camp uh, with the Packers running one to Jaden Reed and an Agbray sucked inside. And so I think Hollins is just a little bit more solid uh, in all facets of the game against the run game as well. And he did a nice job as a pass rusher with the team last year too. He had one and a half sacks. Uh, he's a good special teams player. All of these guys are going to make the team. And really the part that makes me – the happiest is that this is the deepest and most talented edge room that I think Green Bay has had since when they had Mike Neal and Nick Perry and Julius Peppers with Clay Matthews. That would have been like 2014. Like they haven't had a pass rushing group like this with the versatility too. Like Rashawn Gary can bump inside when when he's asked to do that. They've asked him to do stuff like that in the past, not so much since Darius Smith has been gone, but they have asked him to do that before. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, they mentioned Zadarius Smith by name when they drafted him as a guy who can reduce inside. Uh, Brenton Cox is a highly 
touted undrafted free agent. I don't know if he's going to make the team just because I don't know how many guys they're going to be able to keep in that room. But Anagbre, Hollins, rock solid. And then Preston Smith, it's an odd year. And Preston Smith is now, I think, it's kind of funny how we've gone back and forth with that free agent class of who was the best one and who was the worst one. Preston Smith might be the best one now. He's the one who's lasted the longest, and he was pretty solid for the team last year. I think he's in a good spot with this team where Gary is their unquestioned number one. Preston right now is number two, but you could see a shift between you know now and the end of the season or early next season where Lucas Van Ness is now that number two, and Preston is a damn good you know, number three, if that is something that becomes the case. But I don't think that's surprising based on what's happened. I also think that they're going to be able to rotate these guys and be able to do a bunch of different things with rotating them in and not having the guys they're rotating in be Ladarius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin. No disrespect to those guys, but anytime they tossed those guys on the field, it felt like they were conceding anything against the pass rush and just hoping that they could get anything like that. Yeah, I think so much of this year because we – I hope and I feel like we have largely as a Packers fandom, Packers coverage base, gotten past the is this a rebuild, is this not a rebuild argument, which was dumb from the very beginning. But I do feel like there is sort of a resetting of the roster going on this year in the sense that when you eliminate guys like, and again, no disrespect, and I apologize to Mr. Garvin considering he got cut on his birthday. But when you look at guys like that, these guys who are not just fringe starters, they're fringe NFL players. They are fringe roster guys. And you replace those with, okay, we Justin Hollins, we've seen. You ran through some of what he produced last year, what you saw at practice. This is a real guy. This is a guy who deserves a spot on a 53. You look at yes. Kingsley and Agbury. And Kingsley, I apologize. My name is Dworzynski. It has two Zs. It has been pronounced wrong my entire life. I feel for you. We'll get your name right going forward. Anyway, that's a guy who I thought flashed a lot during his first year. And while he was the opposite of a workout warrior, it felt like he really showed up on Sundays, especially as the year went on. Those are your guys right now who are four and five on the depth chart. So going from these guys who are fringe players to, yeah, maybe they need to work on some things, but these are legitimate roster rotational guys. Those are what I like to think of as floor raising moves. You know, we talk about guys who raise a team's ceiling, guys who raise a team's floor, I think is equally as important. That's what moves like that are. And to build depth at the most important spot on the defense. If you have a secondary, you know, we talked about it all last year, especially leading into the season, how much talent is in that room to have guys who are your second stringers who say, yeah, no, that's, that's a legit NFL guy. You're not throwing, you know, you can name any number of has been never were safeties and corners the Packers have had in the last decade, and it could make sense for this. But you throw guys in that room who are at least competent NFL players, that raises the floor of the defense. There's only so much you can do depending on who your coordinator is, your scheme, your play calls, whatever. But I look at the defense and I say, okay, maybe at the very least this room has guys who are not going to let the bottom fall out every single time they get on the floor. Same with the receiver room and the tight ends group, for that matter, on the other side of the ball. Is it best receiver room in the NFL? No. Is it the most experienced? Absolutely not. But you've got a ton of talent. You've got a ton of youth. You've got a ton of you know varying skills you can use in a myriad of ways. Those, again, raise the floor a little bit. The tight end room, it's not a joke. We don't know what Tucker Craft's going to be. We don't know that Luke Musgrave can stay healthy, even though he's balled out at camp. We don't know if he can stay on the field. He really couldn't at Oregon State. But it's at least guys who you look at and say, that's a problem. That's a matchup we can win. That is someone, one through three on the depth chart, if we believe that Tyler Davis has actually had a good offseason, one through three on the depth chart who are going to make a positive impact and not just 
fill one of the 11 spots on the field at any good t- any time. So I think the visualization of that was the most important part of the depth chart to me, other than the points we've already brought out. By the way, uh, I would like to concede the floor to you on this because you you treat him as if he is one of your family members. He may literally be at this point. You've said it so much. He might actually be <laughs> one of your family members. But you touched on Rashawn Gary. He's off the pup list. First of all, he is a freak. People, normal humans do not get back from severe injuries that quickly. Like you think of Adrian Peterson, who among being a terrible person is also just a freak of nature when he recovered from that ACL tear. Gary already being back and off the pup. I don't care that they're easing him in. I don't care that he's limited right now. The fact that he is able to go at all after mid season suffering that ACL injury is preposterous. And it only means good things for this Packers team, because you know, as well as anyone, Jacob, that when he is on the field, this is a different franchise. There's really no arguing that I think. Yeah. They had eight, Sacks on third down last season. Bill Huber did this stat uh, a few weeks ago, but they had eight sacks on third down last season. Gary had six of them and they only had (laughs) the two that they had that were not Gary came after he left for the season with a torn ACL. Like all of their pass rushing metrics just plummeted when he was gone. Uh, Rashawn Gary is one of the best defensive players. Like he's not, he's not Nick Bosa. He's not Miles Garrett. He's not players like that yet but he's very, 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 very good. Like from his edge class. So that class, remember, if you remember, had uh, Gary, uh, Nick Bosa, Brian Burns, Montez Sweat. He's the best non-Bosa one in the class. He's the only player in football with the top 10 pass rush win rate and run stop rate in the NFL. Those are ESPN stats. But they have only one player who's been in the top 10 the last two seasons. Gary is that player. And the ability that the Packers will have to have him potentially, I guess I don't want to say for sure that he's going to play on September 10th, but if he's off the pup on August 7th, he's got a month to ramp up. Even if he's on a pitch count, that is such a boost for this defense. Cause again, you were talking about the back end of that edge room and having, you know, whenever you got a guy who's gone, you got to move them up. Right. So when you watch mm-hmm. like, it's like baseball, when you got your cleanup hitter who leaves the lineup. So now your normal six hitter has to bat fourth and so on and so forth for lineup construction. It changes the way that your lineup goes. It's the same with pass rushers. Now, instead of having to rely on Lucas Van Ness to be a starter early in the season, you could bring him in and have him do things situationally to help him succeed. Kingsley and Agbre, same thing. Justin Holland, same thing. Brenton Cox, if he, like, Cox would have to make the team and potentially play. and have to do stuff on the field from the first day. Maybe not something he's ready for. Now that Gary's back, number one, he's probably their best run defender on the defensive side of the ball, which the Packers run, that is a very low bar to clear because the Packers run defense is terrible. They are, I'm not kidding. They are the worst run defense in the NFL under Brian Gutekunst since 2018. Here's a question for you, Brendan. How many, whether big defensive, so more than a one-year deal, significant uh, free agent capital, or top 100 picks used on a defensive lineman. How many players on the defensive line do you think Brian Gutekunst has taken since he became the general manager, whether top 100 picks or significant free agent money? On the defensive line? Just the defensive line, yep. So pass rushers don't ca- – so like Rashawn Gary doesn't count, for example. Right. Well, let's see. Kenny was before Goot, right? He Was yep. he still a Ted pick? Okay. Yep. Um, Brother, I'm going to be honest with you. I – off the top, a pick that early, I because like you can think, well, okay, Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt, mm-hmm. yep, that's the only um, one. 
That's the only yeah. one. They haven't Did used a top 100 guys- pick, and they and they haven't used free agent. Like Jerron Reed was a one year, three million dollar deal. That's not a significant yeah. investment. You can. They might argue back that they gave Kenny Clark an extension. They might argue that they gave Dean Lowry an extension. Whatever. I'm not going with that. It's just that is a difficult pill for me to swallow when this team. Gutekunst's first year was 2018. That was a resetting of the team, firing the coach, all that good stuff. 2019, they get absolutely blasted in the NFC title game by Raheem Mostert, who I think the 49ers could have won that game without attempting a forward pass. And the Packers have had more games like that since that day. Last year, for example, I know the Eagles ran for like 360 yards or something like that against them. And you could say, well, they got a running quarterback. Okay, fine. But like that's part of the running game now. Other teams don't give up 360 yards to Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson or players like that. It is incredible to me the stuff that Green Bay ignores, and for lack of a better phrasing, just stuff that they're just like, oh, that or oh, that doesn't matter, or I'm not sure what their reasoning on some of that stuff was. I understand the thought of you'll fly to Miami faster than you'll drive, which was a pretty famous and a really good line by Mike Pettin, to be quite frank, during that season, saying stop the pass as opposed to the run. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, but the Packers have really struggled, which is putting it lightly against the run over the last couple of years. And again, you have to earn the right to rush the passer and having Gary on the field gives them guys that give them an opportunity to do that. Preston Smith is usually pretty solid against the run game. Rashawn Gary, same thing, but they have to earn that right to, because you want to start talking about Packers pass rush, a foursome of some combination of Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt. Pick one, four of those guys. That's a really good combination. And I didn't even mention Hollins and Nagbray and some of the guys behind those players. But none of those pass rushers are going to matter if it's third and one, because then every team's just going to line up and do the tush push thing or whatever whatever it is that we're calling it uh, mm-hmm. for, for these days. The so, bump and grind. Yeah, I like that one too. Bump and grind. Whatever you want to call it. You're not going to be able to do that if it's third or fourth and one. You can't rush the passer when it's like that. You have to slow opposing running games down. I think it was... 10 plus yard runs. Peter Bukowski had this stat a few weeks ago. The Packers gave up 44 of those last season. That is incredible. And by far the most in the NFL. So having Gary back should help that Kenny Clark and Jerry Montgomery insist it's a mindset and how you could stop the run. Well, I'll tell you this, it better be because they let two starters just walk out the door on the defensive line. They did not replace them other than Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks. Bless those guys, fourth round and sixth round rookie. That's going to be a hard thing to do. So Gary, Good to have you back. I think the thing I'm most excited for more than him sacking the quarterback is having somebody who can actually set the edge. Yeah, that's got to be number one. And look, there's complaints, and I have been as complaining about Joe Barry as anyone. You can complain about the scheme. You can complain about the, the focal points of the defense, where he's got guys dropping to, the actual quality of the player, all that. You have got to find a way to focus on what you are struggling with. Like if you're just going to believe in the talent, and I think a lot of Packers fans rightfully so believe in the talent of the secondary. They look at Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, Eric Stokes, at least after his rookie year. And you say, man, we've got so many dudes back here. Okay, great. Trust that those guys are going to make plays and try to put a little more energy into that defensive line. Now, maybe with the drafting of Devontae Wyatt, I know they were late picks, but you look at Carl Brooks at all and say, Hey, look, we, we are trying to add a little bit here. We thought we had value. We didn't see the value earlier. We see it here. Okay, whatever. I You can give me whatever argument you want. You got to figure it out. I look at a, the team that I was mentioning earlier that I cover on a daily basis in the Kansas City Chiefs, and a lo- for a long time early in their general manager, Brett Veach's tenure, 
there was this thought that they don't care about their cornerbacks, that they think they can throw anyone out there and it's going to end up working. And with their current defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, longtime DC in the NFL and field head coach, they have talked, you know, they have not had these superstar cornerbacks. And early in his tenure, his first year was 2019. You may remember that year for the Kansas City Chiefs. They won Super Bowl 54. They stunk defensively early in the year. By the second half, though, they were playing pretty well. By the Super Bowl, that was a legitimately good defense that was on the field. And they had players at cornerback like Charvarius Ward. Charvarius Ward got a nice payday from the San Francisco 49ers. He was a nobody when he got signed by that team. They treated Parker Anger to get him. You know about Parker Anger? No, of course you don't, because he's a nobody. He's, he's a a fringe NFL player. He might not even be on a roster right now. They have gone out and gotten guys like that year for year. Rashad Fenton was a sixth round rookie that year, but he fit the scheme well. And he ended up being a contributor for a Super Bowl team. Now he's already on his second team since leaving the Chiefs, but still they found these pieces that made major contributions. So while it looked like they were ignoring it because they didn't spend a ton of free agent capital, they didn't make a trade for Patrick Peterson one year when that was rumored. Until Trent McDuffie, they didn't spend a first round pick on one of these guys. The storyline, the narrative was, well, they don't care. They did care. They are just incredible at developing cornerbacks and finding late round picks in the secondary and making that work. The reason I'm tying that back to the Packers here is if you want to tell me, well, we're not going to spend a ton of free agency capital. We're not going to spend a ton of draft capital because we believe in our system, in our scheme, in our approach. That's fine because that can work, but then you better freaking figure it out. And they have not been able to do that. If you're going to say the likes of Dean Lowry and TJ Slayton, who I know is still on the roster and, you know, Jaron Reed on a one-year deal and all these other guys who have come in and out over, over time, Jack Heflin, like, Okay, fine. You want to trust that your scheme is going to work with that caliber of player? So be it. Fine. I'm not the coach. You figure it out, but figure it out. You've got to find a way to make that work. And when you can't, and when you don't, and when you don't have that ability, and I like Wyatt, and I hope he's a good player. Obviously, I love Kenny Clark. He's a great player. I like these guys they have up front. But until you figure it out, you've got to rely on other players to pick up the slack. And unfortunately... That's where Rashawn Gary has to come into the equation because while he's good at setting the edge, while he's good against the run, you obviously would like him to be able to do a little bit more in terms of going after the quarterback. And as you phrased it, earning those opportunities to go after the quarterback. I don't know if you feel the same way. I almost draw a parallel to when Clay Matthews had to play inside linebacker in the latter years of his career. What was that? 15, a little bit of 16, maybe 14. maybe my years are slightly off. Yeah. When, the linebacking court was absolute doggy do. And it was, oh, we'll move Clay Matthews inside. Okay, yeah, he's probably above average at that, but you're wasting his best ability if you're not allowing him to do what he is the best at. And I almost draw a parallel here where if Gary is to pick up the slack for all these others, you're not letting him be the best version of himself. Not to essentially use a theme from a Taylor Swift song to bring this full circle, but that's essentially what you're doing if you're putting him in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunate that it is that way but that's how you know the pack it all kind of has to work in unison and you know it's not to get all over coaching cliche or anything like that but everybody doing their 111th and it's you know whatever cliche you want to use do your 111th eat your vegetables earn the right to rush the passer whatever it is like the packers haven't done that well enough over the last five years uh, and really almost longer than that but i don't have the stats to, to necessarily back that up right now mm -hmm. but you just can't get beaten over the head in the run game the way the Packers have and expect to be able to be competitive defensively. 
and and control games, especially with a team that has, whether this is a good idea or not, built their team in the last five years around their defense. You know, with the talk of the first round picks that they've used and all that good stuff, that's all been beaten uh, to death in terms of a talking point. But I think that it's just the way that things have to be. And, you know, it's kind of like that way when, when Matthews was playing inside in, in 2014. And one of the reasons they were able to do that is because they had Mike Neal and Nick Perry and Julius Peppers and those guys able to rush the passer. And Clay was still able to kick back outside in obvious passing downs. But that is one of the problems when you've done so poorly at addressing something like in that case. I mean, I think they moved Matthews inside the linebacker when that year it was guys like Jamari Lattimore and Nate Palmer and, and A.J. Hawk as he was – getting older, all those sorts of things. I just think that there's no, they, they haven't filled those holes. They haven't, like I mentioned the defensive line bit earlier, they don't have those guys to just kind of plug the run to allow Gary to do some, you know, more freelancing and and stuff like that. So that's the way that it has to be. And it's unfortunate that it is that way, but ultimately it might make Gary's numbers may not be as good as maybe they could be, but the defense as a whole might be better. Defense, like life, is a whole lot less fun if you don't plug the hole. So getting Gary back out there one way or the other is going to end up making this defense better. I just hope that to all the points you brought up, they're able to figure something else out so you can get that best version of him on the field. We did have actual football that, despite Mark Murphy's best efforts, was actually streamed, and you could watch online the other day with Packers Family Night. It's obviously one of the biggest nights of the training camp year Packers fans go nuts for it. It's awesome to see Lambeau filled. And a lot of you Packers fans have taken to Twitter to troll bears fans over it, which is very funny. Um, And you can do pretty much every year, which is also very funny. Uh, You got to watch family night. You got to see all of the, the good, the bad, sometimes ugly, sometimes exciting. Anything in particular stand out or did it feel fairly like what you expected it would be? Uh, I mean, the whole bit with them not streaming it for competitive reasons, all that suffering is pretty hollow considering they haven't done that for years, but that's mm-hmm. a separate topic. What you didn't ask. It was encouraging to see the way things ended and shout out to Brandon Snide for taking videos from the stands. I mean, I'm sure that the bears have now know all those plays. So they can't use any of them in the first week of the season. So that sucks. But other than that, it was nice to see a two minute drive. Cause I will tell you, as much as like Adam shine took and not a good week for me to be a Packers fan and an Adam shine fan at the same time. But uh, as much as he took heat for saying like Jordan love is awful and can't play or whatever, like some of the stuff that got lost in the whole situation was the Packers in the two minute drill have absolutely been awful before Mm -hmm. family night. Uh, And I think that was undersold a little bit. Like for example, the pass to Jaden Reed, which was awesome. Like love rolling to his right, kind of a fadeaway jumper, puts it to where only Reed can catch it. Great throw. Never should have happened because two of the first three plays love threw a ball right into Quay Walker's bread basket and Walker dropped it would have been the end of the drill. The next uh, third down it was, he threw a ball that Rasul Douglas tipped could have picked off. Like that's two turnover worthy plays in the two minute drill that I don't feel like got, some of the discussion because I feel like we as fans are trying to, and I understand it trying to believe so much that we've still got a quarterback. Like he's going to be good because there's so much conversation from guys like shine bear fans, everybody that says like, he stinks. Your time is over. It's done. You were stupid for drafting him, all that stuff. You're naturally defensive. I understand that, but it has been poor. 
So it was nice to see, and they did it again, uh, what, yesterday was when they had practice. They scored in the two-minute again. Now, Love threw what should have been an interception in the end zone, which kind of stinks, but also has made up for it with some other plays, and that's kind of the roller coaster I expect to see for this season. But they made big plays to Christian Watson, who I think is primed for just a huge year, and I'm not just saying that because his brother's going to be my pack-a-day co-host and, and all that good stuff. I really think Watson is in line for a huge year. Luke Musgrave made a big play. And the play on that, like officially it was a 30 yard play. If they're wearing pads and full live tackling, Musgrave might've scored on that play. Like he just had to make the safety miss. Maybe he does that. Maybe he doesn't. I don't, you know, I don't know, but it's incredible to, to just kind of watch these young guys kind of make plays and love has done it. Like he's made plays to Musgrave. He's made plays to Reed. He's made plays to Watson. He's got that thing with Dobbs as well. That has been talked about quite a bit here early in the early going. I think one of the encouraging signs to family night is, you know, and granted there's, there's a, the positives far outweigh the negatives when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, no question about it, Mm -hmm. but there certainly is some merit to the quote unquote buddy ball stuff, which is, is it Derek Classen's the QB class guy? He's talking about it. It might've been uh, JT O'Sullivan. I can't remember which one that coined that phrase for buddy ball, but basically Rodgers kind of, forcing stuff to his guys as opposed to, you know, running the design of the play or finding the right player, you know, whatever. And I'm not going to pretend to play NFL quarterback because I don't know. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the five greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Who am I to question him on a few things like that? But Love has been able to spread the ball around. And I think on a team that doesn't have, at least as if you had a proven true alpha, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson type receiver, I think it's going to be because the hot hand might change, you know, something that we kind of take for granted. I've been watching, there's a YouTube channel that has like all the games from 2010 on it. And I've been watching some of those like early in the year, it's that team was kind of blech. And like the hot hand would change week to week with them because Jennings was established. And so was driver, but sometimes Jordy would have a big game. Sometimes it was Jones early in the year. They really built around your Michael Finley and were able to do some stuff with him. But I think this team, is going to have to do that. They're going to have to spread the ball around because sometimes Jaden Reed's going to be awesome. And sometimes he's going to look like a rookie. Sometimes Chris, I think Christian Watson is going to be awesome. Like all the time. So I guess this isn't the greatest time for me to use an example mm-hmm. like this, but I think Watson's going to be great. I do have some trepidations about Romeo Dobbs, but he's helping me feel better as this camp progresses. Like he's beating Jair Alexander. And Jair Alexander, to me, that's something else that my reaction to family night would be. Write this down, mark it down. Jair Alexander is going to be a first-team All-Pro this season based on everything that I have seen. If he's healthy for 17 games or you know, anywhere from 15 to 17 games, he's a first-team All-Pro. He looks okay. better than I've ever seen him. He's another year removed from that shoulder injury, so I think the physicality in the run game, the tackling is going to play well. And I also think that <laughs> – I don't want to put too much stock, but I think they're going to be willing to move them around a little bit more. Maybe when number 18 for Minnesota is playing, like you see 23 matched up across from him instead of, you know, somebody else, which, you know, last year, one of the follow-up questions I would love to be able to ask LaFleur was they'd ask him, you know, why can't you just match Alexander up against your, the opposing team's best receiver? And he's like, well, that's just not how it works. Okay, fine. I don't know as much football as Matt LaFleur does. My next question is why does that not work that way? Cause I would love to know, uh, but they did, they were able to do it for the most part last year. I think they've got a much better feeling on who their corners are. 
and and what they what their strong sets are, what they want to do with those guys. But I think Alexander has been absolutely awesome. And then my last reaction is I am so excited to see Devontae Wyatt against somebody else because he has absolutely eaten the Packers interior offensive line. And granted, if I'm ranking the Packers top five on the offensive line, their center and their right guard are number four and number five uh, with Zach Tom playing right tackle. But Wyatt has eaten them for lunch and it's speed, it's power, it's finesse, it's smart, it's technique. All that stuff has come into play with Wyatt. He looks every bit the player that they drafted in the first round last year. And the light bulb, he told Jerry Montgomery last year, I think it was when they played Chicago, he came off the field and he just kind of smiled and said, the light bulb is coming on. And he can kind of tell like what opposing teams are trying to do to him and everything like that. And this was true last year. It's true now. The second most talented defensive lineman on the team is Devontae Wyatt. And there's a chance, I'm not trying to sound sacrilegious here, but there's a chance Devontae Wyatt outdoes Kenny Clark as soon as this season. Because Kenny Clark hasn't been like that version of Kenny Clark since 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, and some of that's injury, some of that's overwork, some of that's the dudes next to him are scrubs, like whatever the way is. But those are my mm-hmm. those are my three things. The overall kind of consistency, of the offense at the end, Devontae Wyatt and Jair Alexander is going to be a first team all pro. Yeah, and to that last point you made, I I am a firm believer that a lot of the reason why Clark has not produced the way we have seen him produce at his peak before is the fact that he's been playing next to scrubs. I got to get the Stephen A. Smith quote of him saying he's a bona fide scrub. I need to get that in here. But I, I do believe that is a big reason why. And you mentioned overwork. I think those two things go hand in hand. So having a guy like Devontae Wyatt, who maybe has a clue, I think is going to be huge for Kenny Clark. I also do want to mention uh, we've got a ton of great questions coming in in the uh, the YouTube comments feed. Appreciate you guys for watching along live tonight. Gil asking about the safeties, what that position is going to look like. Uh, True North Packers fan, he asked what is Stokes going to look like. Thankfully, we have a lot of time left in camp that we are going to be able to address all of these positions, all these players. So we will get to these with time. Uh, we do have a jam-packed first show for you, and, and I did want to get to a couple more things. But uh, to answer the the question of this portion of the pick six, I think for me, it is the fact that there are a lot of different options out there in the passing game. And look, there's a lot of reason to criticize Aaron Rodgers for forcing the ball to one player over another. But you, you live with that because... He's Aaron freaking Rodgers. Like it, it just comes with the territory and the good was far more often, you know, far better than the bad. So you live with that. But now given the state of the Packers personnel, the state of the quarterback room, who the Packers have and the skill sets they have between what Dobbs can do in his body type, what Watson can do in his body type, what you now have at the tight end position, Jaden Reed. I know so many people are excited about it makes more sense to move the ball around because you're right. There are going to be games when the matchup favors Christian Watson, when they're going to be dudes who do not have a fraction of the athletic ability, relatively speaking, obviously this is the NFL on the defense, the opposing defensive backfield, the opposing secondary, and he is just going to eat. He is going to be incredible. And there are going to be games probably where Dobbs is a good matchup. There are going to be games where teams cannot defend the inside or cannot defend the shiftiness of Jaden Reed. He's going to be great or the tight ends. So the fact that during that two minute drill, which is, getting not quite close enough to Jordan Love versus the Eagles territory in terms of talking points on Packers Twitter, but is climbing up the ladder for this offseason. Um, it, it is encouraging to me that even though there were flaws, even though there are things that need to be cleaned up, obviously it's still the first two weeks of training camp. You saw Luke Musgrave make a play. You see Christian Watson get involved. You see multiple different guys making plays. That is encouraging to me because frankly, last season, 
I don't know if this was the biggest problem with the offense, but it was one of the biggest ones. It just didn't feel like you had playmakers. And, you know, for Christian Watson, he is obviously a playmaker, but he missed a lot of time due to the injuries out of his control. There were probably trust issues between him and the quarterback. Okay, whatever. But it wasn't until late in the season when you felt like, yes, we have a game breaker. This year, it feels a little bit more to me, and this is where the hype comes in, that maybe Musgrave can be that guy. You already have Watson. You know he can. You've got the running backs who can make big plays. Maybe Jaden Reed has that in them. If the hype around the connection between Love and Dobbs is as strong as we've heard it is, maybe that is going to be a more a bigger big play threat this coming season. So I think it's just the fact, you know, extrapolating from that one moment in time at family night, the fact that, hey, if the Packers need to put together a drive, it's not just going to be, you know, to use a player from a couple years ago, Adams, 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 Lazard, Cobb, Adams, Adams, Adams to get down the field. It's going to be Watson. It's going to be something inside to read. It's going to be something vertical to the tight end, mix in the run, mix in a pass to a running back, whatever it ends up being. That to me is, is extremely fun. That's a more fun brand of offense, to be honest with you, just as a football consumer to see a lot of guys who can get involved. And it might go the other direction too, right? Like it might mean that the offense is clunky. You know, that's where mm-hmm. one of the biggest advantages of many to having someone like Devonte Adams is Matt LaFleur has talked about this. I know again, Peter Bukowski talks about this a lot is like, they call them get back plays. Like things aren't going well. So here's something to get us back on track. And most of the time that was a play to Devonte Adams. And sometimes that means like a nine yard completion, but it just kind of gets the offense back into a rhythm and, and moving, moving that way. So again, it's exciting. I am just, and maybe this leads well into our next topic. I am trying as best I can to do as like, let people know it is possible that this is bad. Like, and we haven't had, like, if we think last and last year was not very good quarterback play, but like the Packers haven't had the last time they had like objectively awful quarterback play was Favre's season where he threw like 30 interceptions or whatever the hell that was when they went four and 12. Mm-hmm. But otherwise like that's on the table for this year's quarterback, just because we've never seen him do it. And my worry level, which is this topic isn't there with him. I just know that again, he's thrown nine passes against Jordan Love. Now as Albert Breer reported, that was a big deal to the Packers. That was part of what had them go like, okay, we kind of see some things that we have in this kid. We'll be ready to, again, it was Andrew Brand always describes it as with Aaron. It was the last couple of years. It was, we want you, we want you, we want you. And then this year it was, if you want, and that's a difference and, mm-hmm. and a rather large one. Um, and I think that, you know, the two sides have just gotten to a point where that makes the most sense. And it kind of sucks that that is the case because, you know, there is something cool about, you know, I remember like Dirk Nowitzki playing his last game in a Dallas Mavericks uniform. It was the only team he ever played for. Like there is something to that but it just wasn't going to work here in green Bay any longer. I think that um, honestly, if you could go back in time, I think that everybody would say that it was probably best to do it after they lost to the 49ers, but who the hell is going to trade the reigning back-to-back league MVP? Like there's nobody in the world that's ever done that before. Brian Gutekunst probably not going to be the first to do that with Jordan love. The excitement's there because the wild plays are there. Certainly you can see those. You've seen them in practice. Uh, the, the day where he hit the bomb to Watson on a 67 yard touchdown. I was there for that. That was like a legitimate, Oh my God play. He's got some plays like that, but he's also still got some of the, what the hell are you doing? Play like mm-hmm. whoever the next quarterback is, is going to turn the ball over more than Aaron Rodgers did. Aaron Rodgers, every quarterback in the history of football has turned the ball over 
more than Aaron Rodgers has. That's just one of the nice things that we've had as a Packer fan over the last, anytime he's put it up, you felt pretty good that it wasn't going to go into harm's way and it wasn't going to be caught by the other team more likely than not. I think Mark has got the, the good point here where he says consistency is the key. And that's true because some plays you could see it where he, you know, he's in rhythm and he's able to do stuff and it looks good. And there's other plays where he misses guys, you know, family night. He had Romeo Dobbs toasted Alexander for what would have been maybe play of the night, a bomb to Dobbs for a touchdown. Love's miss, love misses him. Um, there's going to be games like that. There's going to be clunkers. You know, I'm very confident there's going to be a game afterwards where love went like, you know, 15 for 25 and you know, no touchdowns and two picks, or maybe even worse than that. And you're just kind of like, man, he stunk up the place. Like that was bad. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a game like that this year. Maybe more. There were games like that for Rodgers in 2008 too. I don't, I can't sit here and unequivocally say to you that I think the Packers have found their next quarterback just based on what I've seen. People I've talked to that have seen other stuff, people Mm -hmm. that um, know maybe a little bit more than I do when it comes to a few things. I can't say that they found one. I can say that there's one practice I was at this year. It was a Saturday. It was, it's been written about a bunch, his best day as a quarterback. If the Packers get that quarterback consistently, they win 11 games. They're probably not going to get that consistently is the problem. And his downsides, again, I don't think this will happen. They're probably too talented to do this. And I don't think love can reach this level of bad based on what I've seen, but they could finish three and 14 this year. That is on the table. And that is something that was never on the table with Aaron Rodgers because having Aaron Rodgers in the lineup alone probably wins you anywhere from seven to eight games minimum. If everything else around him goes wrong, like Mm -hmm. we just kind of saw that last year, right? Like they won eight games, Aaron Rodgers in the lineup. This team could go three and 14 just because love could be that bad. We just don't know. And the team around him, like it's a really young team. So I'm excited for the level of unknown. I'm also worried about the, like, for example, if Aaron Rodgers was the starting quarterback this year, and I told you, Brendan, they're in Chicago, they're in Chicago week one, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy and starting. What's your reaction? Um, Win, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Win because it's yeah. been that way forever. I don't know if that's the case with Jordan Love. Like, I have no mm-hmm. idea if they're going to win week one. I think they are because I think the Bears suck, but I we'll get to no that idea. shortly. Yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do week one. And that is kind of the that's exciting. It's worrisome because it all just leads into fear of the unknown. And I imagine if I was doing this show at 16 years old when Aaron Rodgers was the starting quarterback, I'd have probably told you the same thing about him leading into that Monday nighter against Minnesota. I had no idea. I had a pretty good feeling he was going to be good, but I have no idea. I had absolutely no idea. And one more point here that one of the reasons I gave for why you could believe in the Packers and believe in Jordan Love is Jordan Love for this year's team is not replacing four-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers. He is replacing 2022 Aaron Rodgers, who was Mm -hmm. one of the bottom third quarterbacks in the NFL. Like there are stats of his that are comparable to Justin Fields and bear fans watching this. If you stumbled into this, congratulations. Welcome to the show. I still own you, but that's not a good thing. That's Mm -hmm. not a good thing. Like if you're being compared to him as a passer, it's bad. It's all the way bad. So that's the guy Jordan love is replacing for this year with a defense that's theoretically more talented maybe built better and coordinated better. I know crazy thought and an offense that is going to have at minimum 
not starting Jake Hansen and Royce Newman at right guard and right tackle for the first game of the season. David Bakhtiari is going to knock on wood, play the first week of the season. Like all that stuff is positive and working in the right direction. So it's unknown. It's kind of scary, but I'm more excited, like I said earlier, than I was in 2022 because I just felt like I knew. Like I remember when they lost to Minnesota. I think I texted you, and I was just kind of like, "Eh, <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever." Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, if we'd have won, it'd have been cool. But I'm just like, "Yeah, whatever." This like, and then the next week they beat Chicago, and it was still just kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." It, it is what it is. Like that. Yeah, like, but there's just nothing to learn from this. I would say for me. I I would assess it as mild excitement and moderate worry. And that's not even like a, a specific criticism of Jordan Love. It's just moderate worry because it is possible that this team totally sucks. And if that's the case, Drake may get ready to learn Green Bay, Wisconsin, buddy. Like it, that's going to happen because if, if Jordan Love stinks, then the Packers will probably let me, try. Let, to take yeah, let me ask you this. If Jordan Love stinks and say they keep Brian Gutekunst because I think it's possible that if they are like that bad, that mm -hmm. there's a world that exists where everybody is fired. Right. Yeah. But if they keep Gutekunst, would Gutekunst have the stones for lack of a better phrase to replace the quarterback that he drafted as his legacy pick? I think so, because I think not all, maybe not even many, but a lot of general managers get a second try unless it is a complete disaster. And I don't think Gutekunst's tenure has been, I think a lot of it has been better than people give him credit for, to be honest. I do not think this whole tenure has been a disaster. So even if Love fails, and it's possible, and I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope he is great. I hope Jordan Love is a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. I don't know that he yep. will be, but I hope that he is. If he fails and it's not like, like if the entire locker room falls apart and you get like Christian Watson saying, I'm going to be a star. I want out of this. Okay. Then you've got a real problem, but assuming it's just, well, the quarterback sucks considering how good the top two are expected to be in this next class. I think he probably gets a chance at it Un again, unless it's just all time disaster. Like, like what's going on in the Chicago white Sox clubhouse right now with like players fighting each other and nobody backing up Tim Anderson after he got rocked and dropped like a sack of potatoes. Like, yeah, okay. God bless then, Jose Ramirez, yeah. my new favorite player. Like, Oh man, just really there was a few, beautiful moment. Oh my god, I don't know that there are many players in the sport of baseball that I dislike more than Tim Anderson, but God bless you, Jose Ramirez. So I think it's interesting because here's my thing if love stinks like really bad to the point where you're drafting Caleb mm -hmm. Williams, Drake May, then I don't think Brian Gutekunst should get another chance for this reason. That's fair. Not not that his tenure's been a disaster, because I do think that they've that he's done relatively well. But you screwed up a title team because if you pick like if Jordan Love stinks, every criticism that has happened since that pick was made is now 100% fair. So you screwed up right. a title team and didn't go, you know, not to go through this argument again, but didn't go all in. And then the guy you picked stinks. So then you screwed up rebuilding too. So I don't think he deserves a second chance if something like that happens because again, every piece of criticism from there is going to matter. And I just, not only that, quarterbacks we know that Gutekunst has liked, guys, he's acquired. Deshaun Kaiser, yuck. Drew Locke, also garbage. Good. Right. And now Jordan Love, in this case, would also be garbage. Again, mm -hmm. I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I really want to keep throwing out that qualifier. I don't think this right. is what's going to happen. But if it does, sorry, man, it's blowtorch time. And the same is true with Matt LaFleur because LaFleur 
Rogers had it in the Schneidman article that came out earlier this offseason. It's like you signed off on it too. Like mm-hmm. and Matt Matt LaFleur has done did more research on love, was making calls in September when he got hired, like all that stuff. They signed off on this guy too. Not to put the weight of the world on your shoulders, Jordan, but this is what we're working with here. If you stink, mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Nature of the position, not something I think Jordan Love's going to be worried about. His story is great. I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders. Listening to him speak, he's very impressive, very relaxed, confident. I don't think these things are going to happen, but I also very much reject the narrative of this is just a transition year. Everybody gets a pass no matter what happens. Like this is title town. Mm-hmm. And no, the Packers are not Super Bowl contenders, but this is title town. And losing, if they don't make the playoffs, it's two years in a row. And in this case that I'm giving, they won three games. It's bad. And and not only that, you this guy that you picked to stink up the place forced maybe the greatest player in the history of the franchise out the door and, and ruined that relationship. And I understand Rodgers is like, that's a whole different can of worms because he's right. his own thing. A whole can of worms. But, but – that's possible. And I think that's something that should be more commonly thought of. And maybe fans will get to that point. If we are three and 14, like it's easy to say now that, Oh no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like we haven't dealt with losing in green Bay in a very long time. 2005, they went four and 12. That was a very long time ago. Four and 12 is really bad. Like that was a really long time ago. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how this spoiled fan base, if you will, handles potentially losing. Not well. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It is not going to be pretty. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to... well, right? Unless you're like right. you know a team that just expects it, but that's different. Well, winning can't cure everything if losing doesn't create something that needs to be cured in the first place, right? Right. So it's it, it's going to be ugly, but I'm, I'm hopeful we don't get to that point. If if we see some improvement, and I think we already have through camp from what we've seen in the past with Jordan Love, that's where the excitement comes from. But the worry is to all the points you just made for me is that it might suck. And that is not going to be a fun season when, as Packers fans, we have been very spoiled and have had a lot of fun seasons. Uh, we've got two more topics we got to get to here in just a couple of minutes. So we'll go rapid fire with these right here. We've already talked about a few of these players, Jacob. Give me one player whose stock you're buying from camp so far, one player whose stock you are selling, Jim Cramer style, sell, sell, sell. Sure. So buying Devontae Wyatt, uh, like I mentioned, he's eaten the entire interior offensive line. I'm excited to see him this week against Cincinnati. I really liked him in that class. I just didn't think Green Bay could would pick him because he's mm-hmm. a little bit older. Uh, if you want a guy that I'm selling, uh, oh, man, the, the good news is there's not a ton of guys, but since he was listed as a starter, I'll go with Samari Toure uh, just because okay. he's a guy who I think that like, if you ever, he's Brett Swain on the 2010 receiver roster, like not a bad player to have around, like maybe could make plays in a pinch or something like that, but not a guy I want starting. Uh, you know, the, the talk of his quote unquote breakout last year, or like made some plays last year or whatever. He had six catches. Like they're just, that's it. You know? And I know a couple, one of them was really nice in a scramble drill against Buffalo. He had a couple against Detroit and Detroit that were nice, but just he's 25 years old. He was picked in the seventh round. I think he's more likely to get cut than he is to make a significant impact on the team. I don't think either one of those things are going to happen, but if you had to ask yeah. me which one was going to happen, I would say Toure is, and he's just, he's not overly big. He's not very fast. He's not explosive. I don't think he doesn't make a ton of plays with the ball in his hands. He's just a diamond dozen run of the mill wide receiver who has a leg up on some of the competition. Cause he's been healthy. 
and he's been in the Packers system for a year. So that helps him too. But yeah, I'll sell that stock since he's listed as a starter. Yeah, I'm going to go double offense here with my two picks. I'll start with the one I'm selling. We already talked about him a bunch. There's not really a reason to dive too much back in. I mean, it's got to be Josh Myers, right? And again, this it's not always fair to say, well, look who this guy was picked in front of. But they picked him in front of Creed Humphrey, who is the best center in the NFL. He was the best center in the NFL as a rookie, or at least top two, him and Kelsey. So yeah, Jason Kelsey got to figure it out. Push back on you a little bit, but and that's fine because he's also probably going to the Hall of Fame. Totally fine, but. Look, again, I said it earlier, get the best player out there. But if you're Josh Myers, for the sake of your career, you better hope it's you. And the player I'm buying, and I know you and I were in this a very similar camp going into the draft in terms of this player that, I mean, he, he's a fit in terms of the benchmarks, but don't love him, don't love the, the health concerns. Sounds like Luke Musgrave has been balling mm-hmm. out at camp. And it's about the health, right? Because he just... He couldn't stay on the field in Corvallis. That was the big issue. That's what I was extremely concerned about. He had so little college production. Man, the clips I've seen, the talk from the beat core, it sounds I like say, Bill Huber said that no rookie, he wrote this in one of his articles, no rookie has been more impressive since OTA started than Musgrave. So, I mean, that includes a guy who, Lucas Van Ness, who's the first guy off the bus. That includes Jaden Reed, who's made plays. Musgrave, man, the speed, like, the speed and him wearing number 88, like it just feels very Jermichael-y, if that's a word, yeah. but it is now. So I'm, now. I'm excited, and and I think that his plays might come in like bunches. You know, he might make two plays this week and then none for a month, and then two plays this week and then none for a couple more weeks or anything like that. But that is uh, – Joe, I understand, but I'm just telling you what Bill said, and and that was what was written. So – Carrington Valentine obviously has, has made a few plays as well, deserves some honorable mention for this. But yeah, I just wanted to get that nugget in there that Luke Musgrave, they've said most impressive rookie since OTAs. So rookie tight ends usually take a while. Maybe this is the class that, because Sam Laporta has made a ton of plays in Lions camp, according to their people. Uh, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid is going to have a role in the Bills offense. This might be like a class that breaks the stigma or becomes like the exception to the rule of somebody saying like, well, those tight ends were great right away. Maybe not. I look, the, the data does not really lend itself to believing that it's going to be great for the tight ends right away. But look, I'm just excited for a playmaking tight end to be completely honest with you guys. Yeah. When's the last time we had one of those Jared cook. Yeah. Which given cook's career and his one season with the Packers was also kind of hit or miss. And I, I like Jared cook. I wish they had brought him back. Would have had rather had him than Martellus Bennett. But again, to beside the point, I'm just, I'm hopeful to have a tight end. Who's actually a vertical threat. You know, as much as I love big dog. And even though he's going to Chicago, I wish him the best, not exactly a playmaker. So having a guy like Musgrave, maybe craft one day, certainly exciting. And that is going to wrap it up for the first edition in 2023 of the pick six. Oh, uh, this was fun. What do you think about uh, next Tuesday at seven? I'd be more than happy to do that. We'll have a game to talk about. We'll have yeah. joint practices against the Patriots to talk about. I'll be employed, which really sucks. That's the only downside to it by this time next week. But other than that, yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, stopping. And I also want to give, if you guys are watching on YouTube behind the graphic, uh, that was made by Jared Masuga at title town rain. So I uh, just want to give him a shout out. Cause I thought that was awesome. The, uh, I'll give you, here's a little bonus then for you, Brendan. I will Venmo you one crisp American dollar. If you can tell me what games those are from. One of them is okay, easy. Well that, one of them is not. 
Yeah, well, 31 is obviously Al Harris picking off Matt Hasselbeck. Yes, um, yes. I was just watching a Charles Woodson compilation on YouTube like a week ago. I was it 09? It was. It was the it was the defensive player of the year. God dang it! I I know the play. It's like a it's like a song, right? Like I know the words, I know the melody, but I can't tell you what song it can't is. Can't tell it's, you who it is. So the song is the 2009. It was the Thanksgiving Day game against the Detroit Lions. He picked sixes. Uh, Stat Padford, Matthew Stafford, yeah. and then he's in Michigan, uh, where he won the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm. By the way, only defensive player to ever win the Heisman Trophy and national championship and all that stuff that happened the same year. Does the Heisman pose you in the Detroit end zone? Yeah. Oh, well, Hey, I, I worship the ground. Charles Woodson walks on. Like, I mean, what was the, I, I would eat prime rib off of his floor. Or what did Ross, Ross Uglums is like, I would drink his bath water or something like that. I don't know. Ross does some KD. Shit, but like, I, apparently. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, Woodson's the man. So I remember that play as well, but yeah, he points and then gets in the end zone and, and then does the Heisman post. So those are the two plays. I will uh, see if I can come up with something better for you next week to do the same dollar bet. Well, we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you've been watching. And for you as well, listening to the podcast version of the show, Jacob and I will be doing the pick six every single Tuesday live on all of the game on Wisconsin social channels, seven o'clock PM Lambo time. That's central time for those not in the know who maybe don't know what the map of the United States looks like. And of course we'll be putting the show uh, up in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts after the conclusion of the show as well. So until next week, For the one and only Jacob Westendorf, I am the humble Brendan Dorzinski saying so long. We'll talk to you next week right back here on Game on Wisconsin's newest show, my friends. It is the Pick 6.